When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My guest today is Vicki O'Leary. Vicki has been widely recognized for making a difference in confronting the challenges of diversity, inclusion, and social justice in the construction industry. She once said that I realized that every woman who has worked construction has been at some time in her career afraid. This fear isn't about being injured during the work itself, but for her personal safety. She and others wondered why there couldn't be that one guy who could have prevented a range of tragedies that women were plagued by. Her palpable concern led to a pilot program she conceived, Be That One Guy. The program received strong buy-in from the general president of the International Iron Workers and was rolled out to the membership of the Iron Workers in 2019. Engineering News Record recognized her contributions with the coveted Award of Excellence as a union leader who fights for diversity and respect. In 2019, Vicki was awarded the Tradeswoman Heroes Award by the North America's Building Trades Unions. She was nominated because she had demonstrated a willingness to help and inspire all tradeswomen and her passion for equal rights for all women and people of color within the building trades. Vicki joined the Iron Workers International staff in January 2016. In the time since, she became chair of North America's Building Trades Unions Tradewomen's Committee. She's a 36-year member of the International Iron Workers Union, local number one in Chicago. She also has been doing some other things. She completed her triple major Bachelor of Arts degree in union leadership and administration, labor education, and labor studies from the National Labor College in 2008, and her Master's of Arts degree at Gonzaga University in organizational leadership in 2012. In 2018, Vicki graduated from the Harvard Trade Union Program and completed the Cornell National Labor Initiative. Wow. <laughs> Vicki, welcome. Thank you. To the Soft to Steel podcast. Did I get that about right? It's about right. And now I'm at 38 years in the iron worker. So ah, we'll fix that. It was 38, <laughs> folks, not 36. You know, I'm just so delighted to see you. Again, this isn't in person, but our last conversation four years ago, or roughly four years ago, was a telephone conversation. Yes. So this is a good step forward, and it's just a delight to see you. And again, we could start just about any place. But I think I want to ask you as a question, and this will be a spontaneous conversation. I don't have prepared questions. Great. And I'm sure you don't have prepared answers because it's clear to me based on your track record and the reputation that you have that you've earned through all of your great actions and all of your great work, particularly as it relates, again, to women and the whole notion of inclusion and social justice, which is about fairness in the workplace and being in a safe workplace, that you'll be speaking from your heart. Absolutely. As much as you speak from your role as an organizer for the international, which is an important role you play. So let's just start with the idea that you've been passionate. Let's focus on one part of this. You've been passionate about the need for opportunities and a safe path for women in the construction industry. Tell us more about that. 
Well, first of all, these are good paying jobs and good benefits and a great pension when you get to the end of your career. And just like men, women don't always want to sit in an office. They want to work with their hands. It just made perfect sense for women that are struggling to try to get into the building trades. But when they get there, the path is a little different because of the bullying, the harassment, the intimidation that goes along with it, because we don't look exactly like everybody else. And we know that there's not enough white guys to do all the work. Mm -hmm. And we especially know now that the CHIPS Act and the infrastructure bill and all this other stuff, that they need us. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to make it a more inclusive environment if they want us to stay. So my passion is for these women that... I first met at a Tradeswomen Build Nations conference back in 2010, maybe 2012 um, was the first time I went. I went all the way there to actually meet people from my own city, which was crazy. Mm. And mm -hmm. meeting these women and hearing their stories and knowing that I wasn't the only one was so incredibly powerful. And because all I'd never seen another woman on my job site, except for the first job that I was ever on. That had a lot of women, but, but they had a PLA, um, McCormick Place at the time. So they had brought us all in at the same time in my local. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I answered your question or not, actually. No, you did. You did. What, uh, you know, th this whole, the, whole, the whole track of activities uh, that have uh, created more more opportunities, more ways to try to bring women into the trades uh, has really been multiplying pretty significantly over the last, just the last maybe two to three years. Yes. It's at least that's the way it seems to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm aware as an example of the women in the trades uh, program, uh, I had an opportunity to spend a day uh, with the Chicago women in the trades oh, um, do, doing a workshop for the, uh, for the interviewed and selected women that were in that program incredibly impressive to, to, a, to a person, every one of them. Uh, and we spent a day uh, and, uh, and talked about uh, behavioral styles and emotional intelligence. It was the last day of their 10-week program. Awesome. Uh, and, and that's how we spent that last day. Uh, and they, they soaked it up because, again, it, just, it was not about them being women. It was about them being uh, workers uh, in a workplace uh, and about trying to be prepared being interested uh, and wanting the opportunity to succeed, which is all any person who is in, uh, uh, let's call them um, um, the, 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 the non-white male part of our world, right. which is a pretty big world. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's the other thing which, is, uh, which continues to, uh, to trouble me in some ways, is that the old white guys, and notice that I'm pointing at myself, uh, although I'm not one of these in that sense, the old white guys still, still in many ways uh, dominate the leadership, dominate the organizational structures, and dominate the key positions in unionized construction. Uh, your international president, uh, general president, uh, did took an important step by buying into your uh, to your program. Um, you know, be that one guy, uh, and it was probably a big deal to get that to happen. Uh, and uh, uh, but you but you you were determined to do it. Um, wh why is it so important uh, for us to to try uh, in a more consistent way to understand? that we need to look at, at all people uh, as, as opportunities 
uh, to try to do something which is necessary. You, t- you mentioned in your first set of phrases uh, in terms of, of, of the why. One of the whys is it's a great place to work from a pay standpoint. Yeah. It, uh, you, know, you mentioned the pension. Uh, again, a number of unions uh, are experiencing challenges with their with their pensions because of the of the of the of the fact that uh, the baby boomers are leaving, uh, and uh, and the unions are not uh, as successful as they need to be uh, in bringing new people in at the beginning of the pipeline. Um, what's your What's your take on 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 that whole kind of that landscape? Well, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of reasons why we need to look outside of our nephews and our grandsons and sons and brothers and that sort of thing, because there's not enough of them. Mm -hmm. Schools are really doing a disservice to the kids that not everybody's cut out for college. Let's be real. And they're also going to go into a lot of debt. So this is a earn while you learn model, which I think is fabulous. And it's also I earned college credit for my apprenticeship. And I think that that's what a lot of people don't realize is that I came out of my apprenticeship with nearly an associates. Mm -hmm. So I was able to transfer all that to the national labor college. And that's how I finished my bachelor's degree. So it's not like you're not getting, you're actually getting both plus that third factor that you're getting paid while you're working. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's a really great model. We have to do more work within the schools. We know that by the high school level, it's too late, that we need to start with the middle school kids. We need to, especially with women or young girls, to make sure that they realize that this is a pathway for them Mm -hmm. because not everyone wants to go to college. Not everyone can afford college, but this can certainly give you that jump in getting college credits and seeing if it's maybe something you want to do like I did later on in, in my life. Right. I I went back to show my son that it could be done before he graduated high Mm -hmm. school. I wanted to him to see that, Mm -hmm. that it was possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just to kind of uh, put it in perspective, when you were earning uh, the credit towards and so when was that? What year was that? I started my apprenticeship in 1985 and finished in 1988. And didn't go back to school until 2006, mm-hmm. but it only took me two years to get my bachelor's after that. So not a bad deal at all. Yeah. What I want to highlight in that is when it happened, uh, uh, you, you were you were already in the union for a while yes. at that point in time, Yes. Uh, you know, through your apprenticeship and then beyond. Uh, but you were one of probably very, very few women when you were in your apprenticeship program and, and also earning credits towards an associate's degree. Um, we're now talking about that more widely in, a, in probably just about every one of the trades unions within the building trades um, about programs where you enter an apprenticeship program, you earn college credit. We're talking about it like this is the latest great innovation in the, in the right. career pathing, right. you know, and, and so I, I just want to point out to our listeners uh, in a positive way that here's someone who was doing it back in 1988 yeah. uh, in 80, 85 through 88. So yeah. th- that was a big, big deal. And what I would say, and I can say this safely, would be a credit to the, uh, the Iron Workers Union uh, for back in 1985, having a program like that. Yes. Yes. And I think that's so important. And that might be one way that we can sell it to the parents of kids, Mm -hmm. because that's one of the problems is the parents are, no, I want my daughter or son, I want them to go to college. 
Well, how about mm -hmm. if they're earning an associate's while they're actually earning money and going to school? Yeah. It doesn't, it's just a no brainer to me. Yeah. It's, it, do, it does seem that way, doesn't it? You know, um, there's a program you may be familiar with called the ACE Mentoring Program. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's been around a long, long time. It was founded by some brilliant visionary leaders that were part of architecture firms and general contractors and the like. Uh, but their focus, and, and to a good purpose, their focus was uh, around underserved uh, populations uh, at the uh, at the high school level. Uh, and really trying to generate their interest in uh, in engineering, architecture, construction, um, uh, to, to enter in in what they would call professional roles right. in the industry. Um, and and uh, and again, there's there's there are a number of people who will say with with a certain amount of, of real good, important energy uh, that uh, that being uh, that being a tradesperson. Uh, being an iron worker, being a carpenter, being an electrician, being a painter, that these are professionals. Now, these individuals, individuals are professionals. Uh, they, they get their hands dirty. Uh, they, they, uh, they, they wear out their knees. They wear out their back. Right. But they're professionals uh, using their tools and their knowledge and, and know-how uh, to deliver great products uh, to the owners and, and operators of all kinds of building structures, et cetera. Um, you know, so I kind of wondering, and you maybe you're aware of, of, of it, whether it exists, um, why we haven't, and I think you said it correctly, um, high school is almost too late. Yes. Um, uh, because again, that's just, that's, that's, you know, eight years of, of, of a brain being wired, yeah. uh, you know, has passed by when they couldn't get a few, a little of these connections, you know, at the elementary level, uh, elementary school level to, to expose these, these kids as young as probably third or fourth grade, or maybe even younger into, into what making things is all about. Cause that's what we do. We make things in construction. Uh, we make great buildings and great facilities and and power plants and it goes on and on and on. Um, what what's the, what, are, what what is the iron workers doing these days? I know you've got a great uh, uh, you know I've had a, I had a chance to meet uh, uh, the guy that runs your impact program. Um, uh, a great guy, a lot of energy. What what kinds of things are you guys doing uh, as a union to try to uh, extend the pipeline back into the earlier years? One of the things we do is we partner with pe people or entities like NAWIC or Jamie McMillan in Canada. She's an iron worker um, who goes to schools in grammar school and middle school and talks about the great things that the trades can do. I went to a NAWIC magic camp that had partnered with the operating engineers, the iron workers. I forget what the other couple of trades were. And each day they brought the, the little, the young women the middle school girls to their local. So I was there when they were at local 10 in uh, Kansas city and they got to make a bench or a, a seat, a stool. So they got to cut out the steel. They got to, I, I tack welded it. Then they would take them over and they would let them like help them weld it together. It was amazing. And then they got mm -hmm. to take them home. And I thought, what a great thing because now these girls will have these things to take home and people are going to ask about it, and they say, hey, I went to this camp, and this is what we did. On the day they were at the operating engineers, I heard they had a great time running equipment. So mm -hmm. it gives them an idea, actually, what each trade does, too, which I think is super important. Yeah, that sounds terrific. Uh, do you, do you, are you seeing more and more of that, those kind of programs? Absolutely. And then you're also seeing um, 
instead of the job fairs or the school fairs that we go to, instead of having the white guy sitting behind the booth and having the video rolling with um, men that are doing the work, you're seeing more women behind the booth. You're seeing the video that's behind it is of women doing the work and people of color, which I think is so important that have been left out in history in the trade. So mm -hmm. it's good. It's really, we're seeing a lot of movement. So would you say that uh, as you, as you see the landscape now, are you, uh, are you increasingly optimistic? Are you cautiously optimistic about, about trying to, to broaden or widen the, the opportunities for, again, women and underserved communities? I'm increasingly optimistic. Um, I think that they realize now, especially at the local level, especially in places where they've got so much work coming up through the Infrastructure Act and the CHIPS Act and all the others that they need people, people. Mm -hmm. And I, I really mm -hmm. emphasize people. They need people. And they need people that have a good work ethic, that can learn to complete tasks on time, and they're productive, and they're focused and organized and competitive in, in what they're doing and, you know, have persistence. It's not easy every day going to a construction site, but every day should be fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you feel like you're included in that group, that's when you actually see it become more of a collaborative workforce. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, it, it allows, and I think you probably wrote this in your book. I remember instances where creative thinking and idea exchanges happen when it's people that don't look like each other. Um, mm -hmm. And when you have empathy and you have patience and friendliness, enthusiasm and all those good things. And I, I believe I probably touched on a lot that was in your book, but it did resonate mm -hmm. with me so much of what you were talking about and in the work that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. I had, a, I had the opportunity to have as a guest on my podcast, uh, Sean Strickland, who runs Canada's Building Trades Unions. Uh, and when we close our, our conversation, one of the things we do is we decide on what the uh, the title of this episode will be. Well, Sean's title was The Construction Industry, A Story Worth Telling. Yeah. Uh, and so we talked about some of the, we talked about it more from just attracting the new generations. Um, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're dealing with that in this conversation, but we're also bringing, you know, the, the other range of issues, uh, that continue to, to be problematic. Uh, again, uh, cautiously optimistic is, is great. Uh, it's important. Um, you have many more years to be a, a visible and active leader, uh, in, uh, in the trades and, and, and your trades specifically, but just in general, uh, when I hear your name, I don't hear about it talked about strictly as, as involved with the iron workers. Um, your, your, your name is associated with a number of the, the, the national initiatives. You're, you're looked at as a success story. Uh, I don't mean to be so gracious, but you deserve all Thank that, you. all that positive praise because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, and, I, and I, I'd hasten to say that um, there are probably still walking around on some job sites in some parts of the country, people are just kind of shaking their heads, oh, here comes Vicki O'Leary again. Absolutely. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, now, now, fortunately, they're leaving the industry over time, uh, but, but they're still, you know, again, I, I've been associated with the building trades for, I guess, probably over 16 years, and that's the extent of my involvement, uh, mostly with the finishing trades. 
but you know the culture the culture of unions there are many many good things about the culture of, of unionized construction but there are also things that are not so good uh, and 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 some of them are changing uh, and they, they they could change more rapidly um, and really it's a function of who are in the key leadership positions right. uh, you know you know how much energy and drive do they want to apply to an initiative uh, and it's clear that your general president uh, thought that your the program you conceived was something that, that was a good thing to do so you're doing it yes because uh, all as, as you know in union construction if the GP says do this then we do this Um uh, and uh, and many times it's all good stuff, but sometimes it's, you know, it's we do this, but it's because or, 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 or maybe sometimes it's, well, I don't know if we can do that because we haven't done that in the past. Yeah, so, I don't hear and, that from uh, my GP very often. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think you do. He's a forward thinking person who I think has been instrumental in the ironworkers being really one of the top in the field of diversity right now, at least, at least getting the word out and, and making sure, or at least trying to do the right thing. And I'm, I'm really proud yeah. that we are the leaders in yeah. this. Yeah. And I think Kevin Hilton and the work they're doing at impact is, is, you know, is our visible indications of that. Absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, it always struck me a number of years ago, and you may know this, I, I was, a, I was a, an officer of the Construction Management Association, uh, CMAA. And I, I, was, I always thought it was interesting that there was, there was one union represented at every national conference, um, and that was the International Iron Workers Union. And they had their booth, and I can't, I can't think of the name of the gentleman, but he was Kenny probably, Wah, probably still going to— Kenny Wah, yep. Kenny Wah, absolutely. And I'm sure he's still going yep. to every freaking conference yes. he can uh, just to keep, to keep uh, the name of, of the iron workers out there because you're still so vital. I, I mean, heck, my book is entitled Soft as Steel. That's right. For goodness sakes. That's right. You know, I mean, what, you know, I mean, it just, it seems to me, I, I, I'm thinking the iron workers are going to want to, you know, co-brand something with me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but as you know, I mean, I chose that title for, uh, or, and the inspiration that didn't come directly from me, but I, I chose that title because it, 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 it hones in on what I, what I believe so strongly. You heard me talk about it when we conversed a few years ago in the interview for the book. Uh, but, you know, my analogy is it's, that soft skills are to people uh, and relationships what steel is to building structures and all kinds of other things. That's right. Uh, and that, what they have in common is you, you need them in order for things to last for a long time. Agreed. Um, and that's kind of, yeah. So that's why I love the title. And uh, from the very first day that I began talking and using the title, people said, God, I love that title. Uh, and they still do today. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and so I'm really proud of that. What, if you had, you know, if you had one, you know, one thing that you would like to see a wider acknowledgement, acceptance, and pursuit of in the construction industry for the betterment of of the current generations and future generations, what would it be? Well, I, I, I come to two things on that. The first is that we need more women in leadership. We need more people of color at the table because we're just going to be better if we do that, getting all these different ideas from different backgrounds and different people. The second is that I think that men take offense when, when women come on jobs for all the wrong reasons. And they, they always say, oh, I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to take, I'm going to have to do more work just because I'm working with a woman. Part of that to me is anytime that we get more women on the job, we elevate the job by safety standards go up because women are more 
in tune to the rules, right? We, we're rules players. And anytime you can get more bathrooms on a job site, you're not just bringing the standards up for the women, but you brought them up for everybody. And I think that that's what they're going to have to look at as, as more women come in and we, we are going to have to acknowledge that there's certain things that women need. A clean restroom is one of them. A place to wash your hands is another. And mm-hmm. you still don't find that on job sites. But maybe it's coming, right? Maybe everybody will get to wash their hands before they eat their lunch instead of having mm-hmm. to take those handy wipes out and wash their hands. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the more diverse we get, the better we're going to be treated, I think. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. once we hit like a 20% on a job that's women and people of color, I think we'll see it change. Yeah. Well, as you're talking, I was thinking about personal protective equipment and it's just been recently, what in the last seems like months or a year that they finally are starting to produce uh, um, protective uh, 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 coveralls um, that are tailored more to the, to a woman's body shape, Yes, which duh, you know, I mean, it's, you know, why did it take so long? Well, it's still hard to find boots. Just walk in a store and buy boots. You have to order them mm-hmm. and then hope they fit. If not, send them back, get another pair. Gloves mm-hmm. off the shelf are hard to find, but you can find them if you order them. Work clothes is getting a little better just to be able to go buy off the shelf. It's getting better. Everything about that is getting better. At least they're making them now. They may not be available on all store shelves, but we are able to get them. One thing that's mm-hmm. still pretty hard, though, is work boots. But I did see that Keen sent me a pair of boots. And they're one of the most comfortable pair of boots right out of the box I've ever had. Incredible. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. So, And they're actually women's boots. I was like, are you kidding me? So that was really cool. So to mm-hmm. see things coming down the pike, I know that 3M for a while there was saying they were going to have a woman's harness an exo fit, which is what the iron worker, many iron workers wear. Now they're not going to market it as that. It's going to be marketed as something else, but it's still going to have that tailor, more tailored fit to a smaller body. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's coming. It's getting better. Yeah. So here we are talking about things like gloves and boots. You know, it's it, it's it's almost like a commentary on the pace of change. Uh, and, and it and it takes a long time to do things that that seem pretty straightforward. Uh, again, you may remember, you know, one section of my book. I had a series of thoughts that I talked a little bit about. In fact, I just started uh, sending them out again randomly on Thursdays. I drop what I call my soft skills talks, and one of them is entitled "Common Sense Is Not That Common." Yeah. And so, you know, it just it it's it's it continues to be amazing to me uh, that we we can't that we our, our default is to uh, is to wonder why rather than wonder how, you know, why do we need to do this? Not, not there, there's something here. Let's figure out what we can do, what right. we should do. Right. And, and, and it's, and it's, and it's a lot of little stuff, you know, again, we always talk about, uh, you know, in, in terms of thinking about uh, people and, and interacting with other folks that, you know, the, the things that, that uh, get you all worn out and upset and sometimes angrier are the little an- ankle biters. It's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff that sometimes just feels like it's gnawing away at your ankles. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, you know, I feel some, sometimes that that's, that's still what's going on in, in our industry. 
Um, that is. And, I mean, uh, you, you. I'd like to. Yeah. You deal with microaggressions every day at work. It's not the last thing that happened that took you over the edge. It was all the little things that added up, added up, added up, and then that last thing is what made you flip out. Is what I've found yeah. in this industry. Uh, you know, again, I use the, I use the terminology uh, in my my four uh, what I call my four uh, uh, areas of focus in dealing with just the whole uh, the whole issue of so, of uh, soft skills. And I talk about love. And when, when when I did when we had our conversation, I asked you what what is, you know, what does love mean to you? Um, and uh, and I uh, I had the opportunity to uh, facilitate what ended up being a ninety minute. It was supposed to be one hour, a ninety minute uh, special uh, edition of the Soft to Steel podcast in front of a live audience uh, at the uh, IUPAT's. Uh, finishing Industries Forum back in January in Las Vegas, and I had several uh, contractors uh, on this for this discussion, um, along with the general president um, Jim Williams. And uh, and one of the questions I asked them is, how is love present in your life at work, at home, and in your community? Uh, and again, that re that's recorded. It's out on my website if you if you want to hear okay. their answers. Great. It was it was very interesting. You know, I was. Uh, you know, the, the session was, was I'm told, was very successful, very well received by the audience and others. Um, but I, I, I ask questions like that um, and uh, because we need to be we need to be talking about the things that relate to people. Uh, and that's at, that's at the very at the very essence of what you have done for years. You're talking about people. They happen to be women and and individuals in underserved communities. Um, but you're talking about people right. uh, and giving people the opportunity to be in rather than out uh, and to do it in a fair and equitable way, which is what social justice is. Um, we haven't touched on it. And we're getting close to the end of our time together. Uh, you, you and I probably could talk for another hour. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, so maybe you'll have to come back to another Softer Steel podcast. Maybe. I don't know, maybe, maybe later on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing we haven't touched on, and it's kind of a, eh, it's, it's a little on the negative side to bring it up now, but it needs to be brought up because it's related. Uh, and, and particularly when I talk about social justice, and that is, uh, what, the, what appears to be some really good and important work being done around the issues associated with mental health, uh, addiction, and suicide. Yes. And I think all, all of the unions have done great work over the last one to three years in initiating and, and, and taking programs to their members and to their communities. Um, but it's... Um, you know, it's it's you talk about microaggressions. Well, one of those one of the stress factors that leads to problems with mental health uh, leads to the potential for addiction and suicide is this the nature of this workplace uh, that we're trying to change uh, and include all kinds of people. Your thoughts? Well, I think part of the suicide in construction and opioid abuse go hand in hand because mm -hmm. we have to work even when we're injured for the most part. You know, you get up, you take a pill, you go to work because if you don't go to work, you're not getting paid unless it's a major injury and then you go on workman's comp. But for the most part, we work injured. And unfortunately, many of our members get hooked on these opioids. And prior to what, a couple of years ago, they were given out like a Pez dispenser. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've, we've looked at is how, before you go in for surgery, you know, they don't let you eat or drink 
they don't let you take any kind of ibuprofen or Tylenol or anything like that. Studies have found that if you take some Tylenol before you go in for surgery, that you'll actually have less pain when you come out without the opioids. And then also being dehydrated when you go in is a bad thing as well, even though they tell you don't eat or drink. So there are some doctors that are saying that this is, this is important stuff. Mm-hmm. And also monitoring the drug use of our members is really important. Knowing, you know, if they, they're starting to become addicted to opioids, it's really, it's really sad. And we see, we were sitting around a room in one of our general executive council meetings and GP Dean had asked us to raise our hand if suicide had touched our lives in the last year. And I think out of about the 20-something people that were in the, in the room, they had counted 70 suicides that we had all been touched by collectively. Wow. Wow. It's an epidemic of a different, a different mm-hmm. kind of epidemic, but it is certainly an epidemic. Mm-hmm. And part of it is, again, substance abuse, but it's also, I think, the, the macho image, right, that you can't feel bad, you can't. If a man's going through a divorce and he's being a jerk at work, just asking him how it's going, hey, are you all right, can really make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's those human interactions that we need to have and how we deal with them. If you know he's generally a good guy and all of a sudden he's being a complete jerk on a job, ask him, are you okay? You want to get coffee after work? Just showing some compassion. And also making sure that if he's getting into that illegal harassment, because this is not his normal temperature, let's say, Mm. by keeping him from getting into illegal harassment is also important, too, because we want to take good care of those 90 to 95 percent of the men that are good guys. Yeah. And again, no scientific data on that, but I would say that 90 to 95 percent of the men I've worked with have been really solid guys. Yeah. Five to 10% are the biggest jerks on the planet. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to do much with them, but they don't like to be called out by the other good guys. Yeah. We need to check in on each other. We need to make sure we're okay. Yeah. I agree. I agree entirely. And it doesn't take a lot of time. No. The one cultural view of how we develop people currently in the trades is either on a very formal way or less formally, the idea of mentoring people. Yes. And for those unions that have taken the steps to formalize a program and training for both the mentor and the mentee and follow through on them and maintain a focus on them, they're seeing good results. They're seeing people coming through their apprenticeship programs much better prepared to be journey persons. Absolutely. But you still have, again, my generation is still clogging up the works by saying, it's not my job. You know, I got other things to do. They'll figure it out. That has to change. That's a problem for me, too, because it's this next generation that's going to pay the pensions of the generations before. So we better make sure they're prepared. Yeah. And we better teach them everything that they need to know because we need them. Yeah. So that's the argument that I always use with that, that it is your job as a journeyman to teach the apprentices and not only teach them, but prepare them for a career in the iron workers. Right. Because, again, we need them to pay your pension and to help you out. That's right. Yeah. I think you say it perfectly. I would add as icing on that cupcake or cake, whichever you prefer, that uh, it's also how we do that. 
which is a nod to the soft skills part. Yes. That we demonstrate patience, we demonstrate caring, we demonstrate interest, you know, all those kinds of things. And maybe I should be busier than I am, but I'm plenty busy. But we need to keep talking about developing the whole person. And I'm not aware of any of the unions that you could point and say, they're doing an incredible job of making sure that they get all the technical or hard skills they need and all the mentoring they need in that regard, but they're also being taught how to better communicate, how to be better listeners, how to solve problems, all those things which are not towards, not the hard skills, not the tools, not the trade, but the people part. Well, you'll be interested to see the Ironworkers Magazine in June because I did write an article about soft skills. Oh, good. And how that is what's missing in our trade, that if you have a foreman that's screaming and yelling at you all the time, it doesn't motivate you to work harder and faster. As a matter of fact, if it's me, it's going to slow me down just a little bit. Just a little bit. But if you have somebody that actually makes you feel like you're doing a great job or that you can go to them and ask questions and listens to you and has good body language, right? That doesn't give off that you can't talk to me kind of thing and has a good tone of voice. I think tone of voice is really huge too in how they speak to you. And yes, it's the soft skills. So yes, it's coming out in June. So take a look at that and you'll see that. I look forward to it. I think it's one of the things that's missing on the job. Good. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Right. You don't have to sell me that idea. I'm the soft skills guy. Yes. Yes. Fortunately, I'm not the pillow guy. You know, if I was the pillow guy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You probably wouldn't want to talk to me. I'm the soft skills guy. Vicki, this has been ridiculous in the best way possible. I knew that it would be enjoyable. I apologize if I talk too much, but I'm enthusiastic about the way you talk about all this stuff. We talked about a lot of really important stuff. Yeah, we did. It's all in the world of the people part of our business. Yes. I congratulate you on what you've done to date to earn all the recognition you have. And I know you'll continue to do it. And uh, I look forward to the next step. So we've talked on the phone for an hour. Now we've talked using a Zoom call. So the next step is to meet in person. So hopefully we'll find a way to do that. That sounds awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you for being here. Thank you. You too. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.